0: is live and underway on this monday august 1st here on espn plus alongside hercules gomez i'm sebastian salazar Herc, are you a little bit red over there you're, you're showing the signs of your vacation of your well-earned vacation i'm not gonna lie i'm very very happy to have you back welcome home
1: Thank you, my friend. It's been a long week. Uh, Water slide and all down in Mexico with the kids. Your man was the only one up and down it. Thank you to my beautiful wife for not wanting to participate Mm -hmm. in that. I got plenty of exercise, plenty of sun, as you can tell, but I'm very excited to be back. A long week
0: without me. Look at that. You heard that from the mouth of Hercules Gomez. He suffered. He suffered being away from Fútbol Américas, even if he was on a beach somewhere in Mexico. All right, coming up, we're going to get Herc's take on Josie Altidore, the big news from last week heading to Puebla. Will history repeat itself when it comes to Puebla and a last-minute effort to make the World Cup team? We got a shocking link that now has turned shocking report for the L.A. Galaxy. The name that the Galaxy looked close to signing is going to blow your mind, or at the very least, I think, surprise you. I think it's going to jump off the page okay. at you when you see it. Speaking, Herc, of surprising links, Cesar Montes linked to a team in the Russian top flight. We will discuss that. We'll also discuss a pair of finals. We had the Canadian Championship last week. We'll get your thoughts on that. We'll also talk about Euro 2022. We saw England beat Germany in dramatic fashion. It got us thinking, who's the favorite for the next World Cup? Is it the (laughs) United States? Is it England? So we'll discuss that uh, as well. But we got to start with Weston McKinney, Herc. And again, it's another episode of Football americas Américas. We're starting with injury news. The 23-year-old U.S. midfielder separating his left shoulder. This, of course, forced him to miss Saturday's Juventus-Real Madrid game at the Rose Bowl. They had 93,000, more than that, in attendance. Juventus today letting us know that he'll miss at least three weeks, which means the start of the Serie A campaign. All right, Herc, let's look at this from a Weston-McKinney perspective first, just how big of an impact will this injury be on the young player?
1: Weston McKinney, how big of an impact will it be on the young player? It's going to hurt because he's already got some questions. I know Allegri said that he likes Weston, that he values Weston, the importance of Weston. We've had Giorgio Chiellini on here and he speaks about Weston, his energy, his ability to be box to box and put goals in the, in the box, and put goals for his team. But the reality is, When you talk to players or people around the world about Juventus, Weston isn't immediately one of the names that jumps out. He's still a player trying to fight for his place. Maybe on this side of the pond, he's a player that jumps out, not elsewhere. So you can't be put in a position where even before the season starts, you're already not in a fighting position, or a contention for a playing spot. Uh, that's where he is today. This is a huge uh, blow for, for Weston uh, McKinney, but knowing Weston McKinney, knowing that mentality, that fight, that attitude, he will be back on the field. But that Juventus squad, the way they are going to reinforce it with the players who may be in front of him, this is a blow.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if it's just three weeks, it's looking like he's gonna miss at least the first four games of the season. And you figured a club like Juventus If they get off to a good start without him, it's going to be really tough to break back in, right? Best case scenario, they don't do well without him. He does break back in. He still only has like a month of real run-up of prep time before he's got to leave for the World Cup. Maybe, maybe a month and a half. Worst case scenario, they do get off to that great start. He can't break back into the lineup, and then he's not playing at all leading into the World Cup. I see you.
1: I see you starting to roll your eyes out there in California, Herc. No, I'm not. I think you may be on something. The reason I say that is any other injury, and I'd be like, listen, Weston has been through this before. He's going to mm-hmm. come back. He's going to come back stronger. He's that type of player. But he's injured this shoulder before. So this is the second time he's gone at the same shoulder. It can become chronic. Leading yeah. up into a World Cup with that small window that you've already mentioned. Listen, as a pundit, if I'm a fan of the U.S. men's national team, I'm a little worried right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, To your point about the injury, he missed like a month uh, in his last season at Schalke with a a separated left shoulder. If there is a saving grace here, it's Paul Pogba's also injured and he's out long term. So I think when Weston McKinney gets back, at least he won't be fighting uh, with Pogba for that. There's also a potential impact, Herc, here to your point about Max Allegri singing all these praises about Weston McKinney. For every time you hear Max Allegri say something good about McKinney, you also see a a transfer link to La Liga, to elsewhere in Syria, to the Premier League. You see him linked all over Europe Conte. so Everywhere this might have this may have been a situation where you're right that was another one as well this may have a sit- situation where we still have some time in the transfer window some teams that may have been looking at him might now say okay uh, and he stays at Juventus let's look at it now though from the national team perspective and honestly Herc I think this is something that we're gonna have to get used to uh, as fans leading into this World Cup mid-season because if you look at it Serie a, what are they playing their last games like November 13th, 14th, 12th, 13th, I think is that weekend. That's eight days before U.S. Wales. So we're gonna be watching the injury reports literally every single week up until the World Cup. So let's go worst case scenario. If somebody is gonna get hurt, who do you think is the most irreplaceable player in the U.S. pool?
1: It's Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney is the most impactful player in this Mm. U.S. Men's National Team pool, and it's not even close. It's, nah, it's not. Come it's, on. it's not close. It's not just the goals, because he scores a bunch of those goals, and in timely manners against big opponents. It's not those goals, okay? It's not the assist. He gets those too. It's not the way he does box to box and how he's defensively. I don't want to say sound. But just chaotic, and he does things against the opponent, all winner and yes, and for your team. It's not all that. It's his infectious play, in the best possible sense of the term. It's how he makes others better. And if you want to get down to the root of it, it's how pedestrian the U.S. men's national team looks without him. Mm. That really is mm. the case. Mm. I got, I got to disagree with you here. I
0: got to go with Christian Pulisic. Uh Look. Christian Pulisic, whether it's goals or whether it's assists, is your most likely goal creator at the World Cup. Bottom line, five goals. He led the team in qualifying, right? He's the top scorer for the U.S. no matter what role he's playing. He's the guy that's going to get you goals. Those goals are eventually going to get you points. And those points, Herc, are what's going to get you out of the group phase. The other thing here is I look on paper and I'm thinking about players who you have given a lot of love to in midfield. Luca Della Torre, Eunice Musa, mm-hmm. you seem to love the
1: idea of Brendan Aronson in midfield. Do you not now trust those guys to get the job done without McKinney? I just don't think there's anybody like McKinney. You mentioned Eunice and, and Luca, not two guys that are very good in between the boxes, but not necessarily come up on the score sheet. Or or do mm-hmm. or maybe the direct pass to uh, be contributed to the goal. They're they're the play before that, you know, which are very good players. But Weston is just so many different variables uh, and layers of danger. I mean, you're talking about a guy who can come in as a third runner, a guy who goes uh, from a deep line position into the box and crashes in, a guy who on set pieces is so valuable. And you mentioned Christian Pulisic, the leading goal scorer in World Cup qualifying. He scored three of those in one game. I mean, when you talk about big games, finals, games against your big opponents, Weston always shows up. He just happens to be that guy. And I repeat, take a look at the worst performances for the U.S. Men's National Team. Mm. Oftentimes, Weston's not there. It's, I think, a direct route of why they've played so bad, why they've looked so pedestrian.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of guys that you can even put in this category. I think Weston McKinney's in it. I think Polisic's in it. I think Tyler Adams is probably in it as well. I think he's another guy that you say, hey, when he's not there, you really notice it. Other than that, I don't know if anybody else is in there. The only guy who I can even think to maybe put in would be Walker Zimmerman. And that's almost by default, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly at this point would say Anthony Robinson before Tyler Adams. Just because Tyler okay. Adams, yeah, I think Anthony Robinson, what he's shown is invaluable. Goals, assists, the ability to play, play make, if you will, from that left-hand side. All right, let's focus on another player who's definitely headed to the
0: World Cup. We don't know what his role will exactly be, but Serginho Dest. Our Moises Llorens is reporting that Barcelona will listen to offers for Dest, the 21-year-old U.S. international saying as recently as July that he was definitely going to play this upcoming season for Barcelona. However, it seems like the club has its sights set on Cesar Azpilicueta. Herc, what do you think? Did Dest pack his bags or should he stay and fight for his spot in Barcelona?
1: I feel like it's rinse and repeat. We hear this every four months uh, Mm. coming out of Barcelona. I mean, from the moment he got there, you're hearing he might not play. Uh, Regardless, uh, when you hear things like this, when reports constantly surface uh, that Xavi's not happy with them, that Xavi doesn't like uh, the tactical awareness from Serginho Des, et cetera, et cetera, with such a young player who's not very, who's played very much. I mean, he's 22 years old. And he doesn't even have, I believe, a hundred first team appearances yet. So this is still a player that's very much in formation. When you're getting a guy like Ronald uh, Araujo, or Ronald Araujo, who's playing, he's a center back who's playing as a right back ahead of you right now. Mm. I think it's about time you take matters into your own hands and say, you know what? I need to do what's best for me. I need to be in a situation where I know I can play and I know I will be valued. And I don't know if Barcelona is that situation for him right now or if it has been for him in the past.
0: Let's give some context here, right? Because this is all happening because Barcelona is desperate to balance their books after a huge summer of spending, right? This is not simply a decision that's just down to we want Serginho Dest out. This is very much a business decision. A big part of that could be what happens with Frankie de Young, right? If they get that sorted out, maybe there's still a need, but maybe not as great a need then to move on to Serginho Dest. But in this very same report, Herc, from Moises Llorens, we also see that the club, as recently as the summer, told him he was in their plans for at least the next season, and that Shafi wants the player to stay, that he actually wants the player to stay. All that, added into the fact that it's now we're hearing what is this august 1st yeah the, the transfer window is about to close it, we're getting to the point of the year where you got to start to make business decisions now we hear that barcelona will listen to offers why would they listen to offers if they already had offers coming in this tells me there's not offers coming in which makes me ask what are the other options for Sergio Des? are they going to be better than barcelona And are they going to be better than Barcelona in a World Cup year? We always have to come back to that. You think he's going to go somewhere else and immediately get playing time?
1: That's a big risk. It is a big risk, but when you have the brand name of Barcelona, that's almost a guarantee. Uh, if you leave Barcelona, you're going to go somewhere, and it may be a better situation, maybe a lower mm. level for you, but it'll be a better situation playing-wise. The reality is he's not quite fit in at Barcelona, not since Ronald Kuman left. He was labeled a Kuman guy. Koeman brought him there, and as soon as Kuman left, we said it on this show, he was going to be labeled a Kuman guy, and this has been the case. Now, for every bad report we've heard of Xavi wants him out, we've also heard Xavi values him. The reality is if he did value him, he wouldn't have a center back playing right back right now. And that's the case. I don't know what's worse. What's worse, if you're going down a level but playing, or just mm-hmm. not playing and having a center back play ahead of you, heading into a World Cup, heading into what could possibly be the most important moment of your life.
0: You say go down a level, but I feel like everywhere we've seen them linked, it's Chelsea, Bayern Munich. It sure. it's hardly would be down
1: a level. Well, from I'm a just place. saying because this Barcelona right now looks like a level up from the Barcelona we've seen.
0: Alright, speaking of leveling up, how about Gagaslanina, the young goalie for the Chicago Fire, is finally getting his deal done to move to Chelsea eventually, not quite yet. He'll finish out the MLS season in Chicago and join Chelsea on January 1st. That, according to Fabrizio Romano, for a reported fee of $10 million could rise as high as $15 million. That according to The Athletics, Slonina, of course, committed to play for the U.S. earlier this year. So, Herc, with that in mind and given this move, could Slonina actually be the third U.S. goalie at this winter's World
1: Cup in Qatar? Okay. Let's just call a spade a spade really quick, okay? Mm -hmm. Quickly. If it's based on merit today, he would not be the third goalkeeper in the World Cup. In this November's World Cup. That's a reality. He's 18 years old. OK, and for as high as his ceiling is at the Major League Soccer level with the Chicago Fire, there have been plenty of games this season, plenty of points this season that he's directly been involved in dropping. OK, mistakes that young players will make, but a very important position. So if it's based on merit today. That's probably not the case. OK, mm. he probably won't think go. about the future. Oh, what about I'm the glad you that he's only 18 years old, but. I'm thinking about the future, okay? And you've got a goalkeeper in Zach Steffen, who's 27 years old, Matt Turner, who's 28 years old, Ethan Horvat who's 27 years old. I mean, they're gonna be 31, 32 next World Cup. Not exactly ready to hang them up if you're a goalkeeper. We're seeing goalkeepers today play way longer, way way more than other players uh, in general when it comes to, to footy. What he does have going for him, and what I will say, future is, is his ceiling. Because goalkeepers who sign at big clubs, well, you've already seen Tim Howard at Manchester United. When it comes to U.S. Mets National Team setup, you've seen now uh, Zach Steffen at City. You've seen now Matt Turner at Arsenal. That doesn't guarantee you that you will be that goalkeeper in that huge elite setup. But the ceiling. Is so Man. exciting for Gaga that a team like Chelsea would pay 15 million, upwards of $15 million for an 18 year old that they believe that much in him. That entices a coach like Greg Berhalter, or would entice a coach like Greg Berhalter to think down the road. Like, how good can he be? How high mm-hmm. is that ceiling actually? So, if a player like the third goalkeeper probably will never play in a World Cup. Why not bring him on? Why not afford him that possibility, that experience, and see what that fruit can bear? I am with that.
0: Yeah, and Greg Burhalter has, has told us, you know, he's, he's interested in 2026. So, I mean, he's also thinking ahead to the future when he talks about how young this team is. Look, here's the thing with Slanina. It's so tempting to take this player, because if everything goes to plan, and not just his plan, but Chelsea's plan as well, right? Because they're spending significant money on this kid. By the time 2026 rolls around, he's going to be 22 years old, right? And he's going to be the number one or number two for Chelsea. And whatever you want to say about Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath being 27, 28 right now, those guys have had their opportunity, Herc, to lock down the number one job. And they haven't. If this kid's career trajectory goes to plan he's going to be the number one at chelsea that means he's going to be the number one for the us in 2026 and if that's the case you definitely want him to have had world cup experience right even if it's not playing even it's just riding the riding the airplane and being there
1: especially when you think of it's a position that will never really be truly tested come the world cup mm. i mean when yep. do you see the third goalkeeper go in Never. So if you're affording them the experience and we're betting on that high ceiling, if Chelsea's betting on that high ceiling, I just think it's a no-brainer. The only thing to think about here is because we are in COVID times, right? I think probably more so
0: than in any other World Cup. In this World Cup, the third goalie is actually more likely to be in play just because of COVID. We just finished up Euro 2022. Players were, were getting, dropping out of the tournament like flies. So there you go, just Seb. Saying. There you go. Not I'm just that, saying. Seb,
1: Seb to the rescue, everybody. Yeah. Thank Such you. a good Thank time. Thank you very much. You're a, you're a hoot Finally, Hercules.
0: <laughs> Finally, Hercules. Been waiting to get your take on this one for weeks. Well, days, weeks, because we might have known that it was kind of a in Look the works. Josie at beautiful Altador shield. Is going on loan from Puebla. Or to Puebla from the New England Revolution. The 32-year-old starting just a four times in league play so far this season for the Revs, Scored just once. That was back in March. Uh, Herc, you know Puebla and you know Josie. Is Puebla then the spot? For Mr. Altador
1: to relaunch his career, <laughs> I could think of fewer spots that make more sense mm. for a guy like Josie Altador, honestly. Uh, it's a great setup, beautiful city, uh, competitive football, a place where there's going to really be no pressure on Josie. Now, let me explain no pressure on Josie. Nobody expects anything of Josie Altador today. Not at Puebla, not at what he's shown us. Nobody's going to expect anything of Josie Altidore today. But because of that platform, mm-hmm. if Josie Altador in that system with Nicolás Larcamón and the way Puebla plays can actually get on the field, stay on the field, be healthy, and score goals, do you know how enticing that would be for a lot of different people, Greg Berhalter <laughs> especially? I mean, this is a guy that on planet Earth, only two more People can presume to have more US Men's National Team goals than him, okay? Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey, nobody else, nobody else. And there's been a gray area of like three years with the national team where he's not played. And he's still, I would have said, somewhat in distance of reaching those two guys. Very good product when he's healthy.
0: Sorry, I thought you were going to finish that. I'm looking here at the other options for Puebla: Aristegeta, Barragan. Injured. I mean, these are these are basically like Liga Mecki's journeyman, right? Josie can beat those guys out.
1: was in the actually Philly uh, Union. Um, he's a Venezuelan, yes, German, journeyman. He's been around. Uh, same thing with Barragan. Now, I want you to concentrate. I want you to concentrate. Excuse me uh, on these numbers. Okay, look at 2020, 2021, and 2022. Look at the number of minutes. I want you to concentrate on that. We've not seen a healthy Josie Altador. Mm-hmm. And that's really been the story with Josie Altidore uh, when it comes to these last years. When we've seen Josie Altador healthy, when he, we've seen him motivated, when we've seen him playing well, he's levels above what we've seen today in the pool. And that's really what it is. Now, there's two reasons for him to go. OK, there's two reasons for Josie Altidore to be in that contention. Cause I, know, I already know where you're going to go with this. Mm-hmm. I already know where you're going. You can ask the question if you want. Just so that yeah, people this don't matter. This does. We're not tracking a
0: guy who's not scoring in MLS going to Liga MX. If the conversation doesn't eventually get us. To the US national team in a World Cup, Herc. This is your this is your story. You went to Puebla, you got hot, and you made a World Cup team. What do you what do you think the odds are here? If I if I put it at 10, I think on the show last week I said 20 or 25%. Let me bring that down. I was excited. I was excited about the moment. Let me bring it down to 10. Are you going over or under 10% that Josie Altador makes the World Cup team?
1: I'm going under, and I'll put it at specific percentage, 9%. Now there's a reason that nine, okay? Nine, because nobody's betting on Josie Altador. Josie Altador is betting on himself. That's why Mm -hmm. he's doing this move. Josie can tell you he doesn't care about the World Cup. He's not thinking about the national team. You know who is thinking about the national team? Who is thinking about the World Cup and still values Josie Altador? Greg Berhalter, and he said it so Mm -hmm. on this show. Greg Berhalter said he's a Hall of Famer, and nobody, no nine on this team right now has the abilities of Josie Altador at his peak. I still believe that Josie Altador in his head believes he can get back to that peak. And a place like well, if you score goals, you can get back there. It will give you the platform to get back there. Now, the pool isn't very good at the moment, okay? Mm-hmm. And even the guy who's scoring goals doesn't happen to be on Berhalter's radar. We're talking about Jordan Peefock. He doesn't happen to be on that radar. So, he's got that going for himself. The one thing he doesn't have going for himself are, well, he's a scapegoat amongst fans. Okay? He's the poster child along with Michael Bradley of what is the World Cup failure in 2018 for a lot of fans. Uh, some pundits um, and that stench has not gone away. That, that, for whatever reason, unjustly, I feel, have labeled him and Michael Bradley the faces of that failure and that won't go away. But you know what cures things? Goals. Goals mm. cure things. If nobody's scoring goals and Josie Altador is scoring goals, and listen, you, you said that's my story. You saw Josie Altador's miserable numbers there. My numbers were worse. You got mm. hot. I didn't have the equity Josie Altador has, okay? Not today with the U.S. Men's National Team. I was nowhere near the picture. Josie Altador has equity. Josie Alter has the faith of the U.S. Men's National Team coach. I don't know. Something tells me this move happened. Greg Berhalter picked up a phone. So
0: you're telling me there's a chance. All right, let's uh, keep the theme of US number nines going. Let's run it back, hashtag USMNT style. Jordan Pifak, the aforementioned, scoring a golasso today for Union Berlin in the German Cup against Chemnitzer
1: FC, Herc. What's the name of that team, Chemnitzer? Uh, Chemnitzer FC. Oh, that's a good goal, by the way. Uh, it's, what he does. it's what he does. He scores goals. I don't know why Burhalter doesn't value him that much because Burhalter mentioned other nines. He didn't mention Fuck, but he kept banging them in.
0: Union Berlin now winning an extra time there to advance in the Pokal, which, of course, you can see on ESPN+.
1: Brendan Aronson with two assists, including this beauty and a friendly for Leeds, Herc. That is just a sick, disgusting, filthy ball. Look, outside the foot between two players at center back, like, why even... I'm insulted he stuck the foot out. <laughs> now, first you're insulted at the goalies, then you're insulted at the center backs.
0: Uh, Leeds winning 6-2 here over Serie B's Cagliari, recently uh, sent down from Serie A. Good game there for Brendan Aronson, who continues to impress here in the preseason for Leeds. Not preseason. The cup in Germany, Joe Scally starts and scores for Gladbach, who won 9-1 Sunday over Oberracham. How do I do on that pronunciation?
1: Good. Uh, Joe Scally. all right, young, 19 years old. I'm going to give it to him because of goal, but goalie, goalkeeper, what are we doing? Oh my goodness. What in the name of MLS after dark was that? <laughs> Ulises Yanez,
0: playing in Austria's second division, scored his first goal of the season here for St. Pulten.
1: Yeah, he's still, I guess, Wolfer's property. I- I'm rooting for Yuli. Uh, good kid, good player. Second division Oscar is not where I want to see him, but goals like that are going to see him move on up.
0: On loan from Wolster, the Galaxy Academy product. How about in Belgium? Sam Vine starts and gets the game-winning assist as Royal Antwerp won 1-0. Dude,
1: my man's 23 years old, not out of the picture yet. Let me tell you why he's not out of the picture yet, because there is no left-back depth. It's Anthony mm. Robinson, Sergio Dest, and like a plethora of who? who? Who?
2: Who?
0: All right, we got more European football available for you this weekend on ABC, as well as ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes Dortmund against Leverkusen as we kick off the Bundesliga season. Will we see Gio Reyna? Uh, he was back in preseason over the weekend, could be. Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Major League Soccer now. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We always start on a positive here on Football America's Gonzalo Higuaín. El Pipita's heating up, Herc. Higuaín with a first-half hat trick in the 4-4 draw against (laughs) FC Cincinnati on Saturday. He now has five goals in his last... Four games. Herc, is Iwaine finally at long last going to live up to his
1: designated player? Tag. You know what? I actually think he's lived up for the most part when he's been on the field, when he's been healthy. The oh. numbers have... Ooh, listen to this. He's only played 800... What well, you want to listen? He's only played 805 minutes. He's already got seven goals and only eight starts. Like, he's a player that's proven throughout his career that he just needs to be on the field and needs to have opportunities. That wasn't really what Inter-Miami was about early on this season and, and last season. So... I don't really fault him for the troubles of the past. What I will say is, I think, is it Phil or, Phil or Gary? It's Phil Neville, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Phil Neville and, and, and co uh, down in South Beach have realized very quickly that you need to bring in a certain type of player that can weather the elements, literally, uh, of Major League Soccer, of how aggressive, how physical it can be, and demanding, and also the Miami heat and humidity. And I think, slowly but surely, Pipita... He's getting there. But if you're expecting him to come in and put up like Carlos Vela type numbers in 2019. I'm expecting him
0: to keep up this pace. If you're going to live up to DP status and the $5.1 million he's on, then five goals in the last four games for the rest of the season and drag this team to the playoffs from 11th place.
1: That's what I'm talking about. You think he's capable of that? Well, they they went to the playoffs with the worst version, so I don't see why not. This is, listen, Major League Soccer playoffs are very forgiving. Mm. I mean, think about that. They were in the playoffs in that playoff game, in play-in game, excuse me, with Nashville. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. that wasn't a great version of Inter-Miami. What I'm telling you is this is a guy that doesn't miss many chances. Like, we don't go doing highlights of him just missing chance after chance. Just give him chances.
0: Okay. All right. Herc believes in Pipita. He says Gonzalo Higuaín will the lead Inter-Miami, Inter-Miami And Copa the American playoffs. Finals. Let's move from the good to the bad. Orlando City, who led for 82 minutes on Sunday against DC United, only to concede twice, Herc, in second half stoppage time and end up losing the game two to one. Heck of a storyline for Wayne Rooney's DC United managerial debut. Herc, what do you think? Is this a fluke or is this the first evidence of what they're calling El Efecto Rooney?
1: El Efecto Rooney. Uh, <laughs> Equipo que debuta Tecnico gana, a team that's mm-hmm. going to debut a coach. Especially DC United. Especially DC United. But you said something very important that you underestimated his effect on the rest. You said when he was a player, mm-hmm. you didn't realize how much better he would make those around him. That Rooney effect, that emotion. I think we're seeing it, a so. Yeah,
0: I think it's a pretty safe bet that we're seeing it in the first game. I don't know that I think this is gonna this is going to last. I should remind people, DC United is still in last place. Okay, and anybody who watched this game would definitely say that it felt a little bit lucky, especially the first half. D.C. United looked terrible. Orlando should have won that game and won it comfortably if they would have taken advantage of their opportunities. They were also coming off the Open Cup semifinal. Huge letdown game for Orlando. Okay, so I don't know, Herc, that I'm necessarily buying this as Rooney Effect and D.C. United is going to now make a run to the playoffs like you claim Inter-Miami is going.
1: No, I didn't claim. I said they can. Now, D.C. can as well. (laughs) because it's Major League Soccer and it's very forgiving, okay? Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm with you because Orlando, if memory serves me correct, is one of the worst defensive teams in Major League Soccer. I think Pedro Galese is one of the most goal-scored goalkeepers, scored on goalkeepers in Major League Soccer. Uh, But this is still something to hang your hat on. I mean, you're in stoppage time and you're losing. It's not easy to motivate players to keep on going on that instance. Now, it could be Wayne Rooney, it could be a fluke, it could be whatever you want but this is a start and this is a great start to build on.
0: Absolutely, eight points back of the playoff line. Let's see if a Wayne Rooney and DC United can claw their way into the postseason. All right, time now, Herc, sadly for the ugly. A place we have seen DC United quite a few times this season though, but today it belongs to Hector Herrera's Houston Dynamo, who lose six to nothing to Philly on the weekend. Dynamo are 11th in the Western Conference, six points back of the playoff line with 11 games to go. They have one win in five games since Ache, Ache joined the team. Herc, why haven't we seen El Efecto Ache, Ache yet in Houston?
1: Now, I just, wanna, of effect, I just wanted to highlight that I wanted to put Philly in the good and talk about their touchdown against the Dynamo and how they've been killing teams. But you said, no, I don't want to talk about Philly. I want to talk about how bad Houston's been in Ache, Ache. <laughs>
0: Okay, 100% Hachit, not what actually happened. The Acha
1: in and, and Houston that you said had a jolt of energy that your buddies called you and they were selling out that, that little stadium in downtown and how they're wow. going MLS Cup because of Hector Herrera, you said that. Okay? One win in 5 games and they just got mm-hmm. a touchdown on them against the Philadelphia Union. We spoke about this before the move even happened. Would it move the needle? I don't think it's going to move the needle. Uh, enough for that trend in the stadium to keep on going, especially if they're getting six on them a game, okay? That's okay. And on the field, Hector Herrera is a very good player, but he's not the guy who's going to change a game for you. Mm. He's, He's also maybe not the guy, like, If you were to pick an area of need for the Houston Dynamo, you're like, let's make this a DP. Let's do it here. This is a team in a franchise, and you would know better because you've worked in said franchise, you've covered said franchise, that's been in complete disarray since the early years, since when they were MLS Cup champions. I mean, those years are long gone. And I don't know if the direction that we're seeing this team go is the one we want to see it.
0: I think it's a slow build. I think Hector Herrero is a great, big piece, a, a symbolic, important move. We're going to spend a lot of money. We haven't spent money in the past. At least for the first game, it sold out the stadium. The second game that was at home, I'll give you credit, it wasn't a sellout. It wasn't a sellout down there in Houston. Uh, I do think, or I did think, that he'd have a much bigger impact. There is still time left in the season, but uh, it's a worry Faracha, let's give at least a little bit of love to the Philadelphia Union here. We'll, we'll do that Please, since you were so upset the about Union it. You didn't
1: want to. So.
0: This, is not, this is not the first team they've blown out. I have to remember the seven, the touchdown and the extra point that they put on D.C. United. Uh, <laughs> they've been hanging some numbers on people. And right now, with what's happened in New York City, for me, they're the team to beat in the East. Huh? It's Philly now.
1: It's hard to disagree. I mean, you would take a flyer on City just because they've done it before and they've got some interesting pieces, Uh, even though Castellanos isn't there anymore. But, man, they look good. And they're doing Mm. it in a way that's not what we've been praising Major League Soccer about, the spending, the bringing the players in. You know, they're very smart and and tactical with the way they do things on and off the field. Jim Curtin, at one point, I mean, four years ago, I was saying, why do you have this guy? you got to get rid of Mm. him. Like, what is this about? And he completely shut me up. Uh, he, he's turned that program—I don't want to say around. I mean, he just built it up, literally. Uh, and they've proven to be a formidable team in Major League Soccer. Jim
0: Curtin, accomplishing what I have never been able to accomplish here on Football America. Nice
1: Completing, shutting hercules
0: up unbelievable okay uh speaking of different ways herc that you can build a team let's talk about how the la galaxy are trying to build their team breaking news on monday according to the adios the la galaxy have reached a verbal agreement with ricky Pusch. that's right who's only 22 years old the now ex-barcelona man the la masia product made all of 18 appearances last year across uh, all competitions Let's look at it from the Galaxy perspective first, I guess, Herc. Is this the right player for the LA Galaxy? Of course, we have to acknowledge designated player spots, which it would likely take to bring this player here, do not grow on trees.
1: They do not grow on trees. Who knows how the Galaxy will do it? They'd have to, I say, assume, six months sign here, whatever. They, they can do it because we've mm-hmm. seen teams like LAFC and the Galaxy do it before. Okay, let's, for one second, take that out of the equation. This is an unreal. Type of business for the LA Galaxy. Listen, Gareth Bell will steal the headlines. Gareth Bell will steal all types of new headlines around the world because it's Gareth Bell. He could have had his choice of 98% of the teams in this world. But a player who was in Barcelona for the last two years in that setup. And getting time. I mean, he was on the roster. He may not have played every game. He may have came in cameo sub appearances, about half the appearances every every season for two seasons. But he was there, and he's 22 years of age. And and was, yes, as the producer said, a fan favorite. And was in the U21 uh, Spanish national team a year ago. I was all of a sudden mm-hmm. deciding, I don't want to go to somewhere in the Premier League like we've seen other Spanish players. I don't want to go to France. I don't want to go to one of these other teams. I want to go to the LA Galaxy way before my prime. At 22 years of age, major coup. I mean, this is something we've not seen in Major League Soccer. Players like this where you think can still stay or try to fight at an elite level, don't just come to Major League Soccer at that age. Huge coup.
0: Okay, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that it, it's a big deal, right? It feels like a big deal that this player would consider anywhere in MLS and the LA galaxy right now. But if I'm building the galaxy, is this the dude you go after? This feels like a really big risk. This is a 22 Stop. year old who has never been the guy. No, really, you think this guy's going to be the 10 that's going to run the
1: galaxy. Stop! Sebastian Giovinco came to Major League Soccer and absolutely ran a show. No, nah, you can't compare the two. You cannot compare the two. you cannot compare the two. You cannot compare the two. Sebastian
0: Giovinco was a Sebastian Giovinco was a senior Italian international. This guy's Sebastian never played Jovinko, for Spain.
1: Well, Don, he can't. But he, but Seb, he's on the cusp of playing for Spain. You know what happens after the U-21? Okay. Mm-hmm. You can go mm. to the full national... Oh, what I'm telling you is, this is a guy who's choosing way before the cards have even been dealt to come to Major League Soccer. Do you know how crazy that is? What if does that
0: tell you about his motivation? What does that tell you about his motivation? A guy who is supposedly Barcelona's don't next, care. next big thing? What do you think That's it's a gonna, huge risk. Stop, they're going to pay five, stop, six... Stop, stop,
1: stop, 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 stop. Let me stop you real quick. Let me just stop you real quick. Let me finish my thought, okay? You're talking about the risk. They're giving... What's the guy? Costa? Is that his name? Douglas Costa? Mm-hmm. They're giving Douglas Costa... Your boy? How much... How many millions a year... To go vacation while he's on red cards, to go do Instagram stories, to go do Snapchat, whatever you want, instead of coming here and, as you say, dominating, mm-hmm. as you say, being motivated. Now, you've got a kid who's 22 years of age who was playing at a very good level, is choosing to come to the LA Galaxy. For the LA Galaxy, you jump on it. Now, we can question him now mm-hmm. if you like. But from a Major League Soccer stance, from an LA Galaxy stance, there is no risk. It's not like these other players who come in, okay? This, it's not a risk you're taking on the same level of a Slatan who's coming in after a major knee surgery or a Douglas Costa who's coming in with all these problems from the Brazilian uh, Primera. It's not on the same par as a risk. Every single team in Major League Soccer would take this risk.
0: Okay, then give me the player's perspective, right? Put yourself in his shoes. You're 22 That's years old. Else. You're la, mas- la Masia favorite. You're you're the guy who is going to be the next big thing at Barcelona. Surely, even if the options weren't Barcelona, there were more competitive options, a higher level of play than Major League Soccer in the LA Galaxy. What's your reaction then to seeing this player take this decision, if indeed it is what he's going to do?
1: Por qué? <laughs> Why? I <laughs> mean, seriously, you you could you could maybe not top three, four teams in any league, but certainly there to mid-table in any league, they would take a flyer on Ricky Puch. I, I would have to assume they would take a... I mean, Seb... You're, you're so
0: overvaluing the Barcelona tag right now. You're so overvaluing oh, the Barcelona tag. Oh, wow. Ooh, shot at
1: Barcelona. No, I'm not, not Barcelona. I'm just telling You're you. You're
0: saying because this guy played 15 games last year that he could walk into any top I'm three or four team in any league? I'm not saying he would
1: walk into any team. I'm saying he would have suitors, Seb. I'm saying mm-hmm. his only options wouldn't be Major League Soccer. You're saying that. Okay, all
0: right. We'll decide what you said and what I said on another edition of <laughs> Football Americas. On Saturday, we have Major League Soccer on ABC. Not the LA Galaxy, but a good game nonetheless. Atlanta United against Herc's beloved Seattle Sounders. Coverage on ABC ESPN Deportes and streaming live on the app as well. And it starts at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be. With Kizik cans free shoes, motion sounds something like this.
0: All right, speaking of Liga MX, Club America, the struggles uh, the struggles continue. The latest setback was on Sunday. It actually wasn't like the, the worst game early on for America. Memo Choa making a big save.
1: Memo was under the massive. Gun, but uh, Leon would eventually break through. Yeah, he's just been massive. I mean, maybe lucky there, but not lucky here. This is a ridiculous just hit, crack, near post. Memo Choa can't do anything about it. That was a counterattack set up by Joel Campbell. Late on in the first half.
0: America close to an equalizer. Still even later in the first half. There it is,
1: the (laughs) 1-1 at Las Aguilas. For a moment, for a moment, we're level. Yeah, I mean, it's a good crack, good little goal. But then uh, this happens. Then this happens, he says.
0: 1-1 in the 66th. And there it is, America falling behind yet again
1: good ball behind yet again. And then you thought you had it here. Woo. Sendejas has to finish that, he couldn't. And then I thought this was, I don't know, you tell me, I thought foul right here, I don't know. <laughs> could have been, could have been. Henry Martina getting all the goals of late,
0: deep into stoppage time, I mean deep. America at first gets away with a the penalty, then we go to VAR, and Angel Mena steps up, Leon. Three to two winners in dramatic fashion. All right, Herc. So uh, as we mentioned, the struggles there continuing for America. Which of the following statements for you is more accurate to explain Las Aguilas? I'm sorry. Las Aguilas struggles. I will ignore the uh, the lower third graphic there. (laughs) He is. He is. Uh, uh, The new signings haven't produced. (laughs) The roster is overrated. There are too many games on the schedule or the head coach Dan Ortiz and his lack of experience.
1: Too many games on the schedule. Oh, look at you! You Well, your boy actually mentioned this before. I think right after week one, I said, "Hold up, this is going to happen." I actually said something that rang true and is true today. I said, "Dan Ortiz won himself the coaching job in seven games. He may very well lose the coaching job in about seven games, and that's where we are today. They've played, okay, in this last month eight games. That's." Every three days, a game, okay? They've gotten this next month, eight games. They only won one game, by the way, and that was a last second goal by Richard Sanchez against Toluca, an undermanned Toluca, which is questionable, if you will. Uh, But next month, it's going to be the same scenario. Let me just read out five of those teams they will play this coming month, okay? You've got LAFC, okay? Mm -hmm. You have Pumas, Pachuca, Cruz Azul, and Tigres, five of the eight teams. This can get very ugly. Now, it's this schedule because you don't have a roster big enough. You don't have two per line. And even if you did have or you think you have two per line or you say we got reinforcements, they've not been exactly hitting it all on cylinder. So when you add all this to this crazy congested schedule that nobody else has in Liga Mekis, mm-hmm. of course they're going to be struggling. And, of course, Don Ortiz's head is on the chopping block. Well, look, if I were to know any Americanistas around these parts,
0: and you know that I don't, I would love, Herc, I would love to grasp onto the excuses, the pretextos that you're providing here. Because, of course, especially when they give up a goal deep into stoppage time on a penalty that, let's, let's both acknowledge, was stupid. Was just a dumb play in the box. There's no way you're getting away with that. It is easy to say, OK, this team is too tired. They're making mistakes. But I'm sorry because I was the one who now has egg on my face because I said that this team was not only going to contend for the Liga MX title. I thought, Turk, that this team could win it. And I thought that based on two acquisitions in principle, Cabecita and Nestor Araujo. Nestor Araujo has been starting every game and they're shipping goals left, right and center. Okay, there's two against Cholos, there's three against Rayados, there's three here against León. Cabecita, what? Where are the goals? The only person that's been motivated by Cabecita's arrival is Henry Martin. He's scoring everywhere against the best clubs in the world Mm. and this weekend against Leon. Uh, Okay, you're going to hate. You're going to hate. No, no, I'm just saying. Cabecita, for me, has not gotten it done. Those are the two guys that I thought would come in and make an immediate impact. And those are the two guys who, as of yet, have not played to the level. Why I'm not panicked is they've only been here about a month and a
1: half. So I can't really panic. But you should panic a little because the schedule's going to get worse. Okay, They're going to play more games, and these reinforcements haven't been exactly doing well. And the guys who you thought would do well, Zendejas, Diego Valdez, uh, what's his name? Pidalgo. Um, Pidalgo. You know, Aquino. They've not exactly been tearing it up either. So, yeah, they could play a good string of, what, 40 minutes versus Real Madrid or Man City against their reserves, and then people get excited. But then you come to Liga MX, and Cholos is mopping the floor with you. It's León. Mm. It's these other teams. This isn't the America we're accustomed to seeing and things are going to get worse because Mm. it's America. And when it's America, you're under a microscope. And when you're under that microscope, you can't not win, you can't not Mm. produce. And if you don't produce at Club America, you're gone. Yep, and that's what you're saying
0: about Don Ortiz basically, right? The only defense I would say is, what happened last time? Terrible start and he was the guy to turn around. So if anybody has the formula, if anybody has at least that experience, it's Dan Ortiz All with done.
1: this group. You're telling me terrible start, they fire the coach, new guy comes in
0: and turns it around. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said Tan Ortiz was responsible for the turnout. Hopefully he can be responsible for this turnaround uh, as well. One spot up from America. In the table, we find Chivas, who, even though they haven't won yet this season, are still above Las Aguilas. Chivas forced to settle for a 0-0 draw against 10-man Pachuca
1: on Saturday. Herc, more disappointment for Chivas. Yeah, it's not just that. It's the way the games are going, right? Because certain situations against certain teams lend themselves for them and take advantage of it. You're going to see a red card coming up. There it is. Okay? You have to take advantage of these type of opportunities. You're playing against one of the best teams in Liga MX, Mekis, and you don't. We see time after time the inability to score goals. You're gonna see a penalty coming up right here, Seb, and you're gonna like, this is the opportunity you have to take advantage of, okay? If you are Chivas. And it's only because he's on Vega. Yeah, and it's only because he's like, I swear, I swear it's a penalty. So they check it, and look, your best player, the guy you want in that moment, oh. misses. I don't know what to say. And then you get calls that go your way. I mean, things line up defensively and they don't line up offensively for you. I don't know what to say anymore. But watch this. This has to be called. It's not.
0: Mm. So Chivas maybe getting a, a little bit of help there. Chivas or the lack of it uh, coming through as uh, Chivas escape with a point. Herc, we've kind of run out of people to blame, reasons to give for Chivas' struggle. So let's go to the very, very top. Is Amaury
1: Vergara, the owner Chivas' actual biggest problem. No, no. Let's take a step back really quickly, okay? What's the owner supposed to do? He's supposed to fund the team, right? Mm -hmm. Is it a money issue right now? I mean, did he not bring in the best sporting director in all of Mexican football, Ricardo Pelayas? He did that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And he gave Ricardo Pelaya's carte blanche. Like literally in the first one, they spent over $40 million. And then they brought in uh, Cardoso, the the, the coach. And then they brought in Tomas Boy, may he rest in peace. And then they brought in Victor Manuel Bucetich, one of the winningest coaches in Mexican football. It's time after time. It's all these things that they're doing. And then then the owner decides, not out of the goodness of his own heart, because he thinks it's going to help the team. He decides, let me give a guy who scored five goals in a season three times what he's making right now, so he doesn't leave because the situation is that bad. It's on these players, and when I mean these players, I mean the talent level of the Mexican player in Chivas. They're in a different market. Now, when I say they're in a different market, you have to realize the best Mexican players don't play at Chivas, okay? Best Mexican players, quite frankly, don't play in Liga MX. they're abroad. And those Mexican players who are playing abroad, they're not in the orbit, in or around a realistic situation of coming to Chivas. Carlos is not going to go to Chivas. Uh, Chicharito's not going to go to Chivas. Chucky Lozano's not going go to Chivas. Tecatito is not going go to Chivas. Diego Linus isn't going to Chivas. There are whatever player is out there that you would say is top-level Mexican player, that's not going mm-hmm. to go to Chivas. So you have to do what you can to retain the players that you think are of that level, like Alexis Vega. It's, it is what it is, man. It's the market for them.
0: So if you're going to change something big, if we're going to talk about changing something big, like the owner, then the only other options that you can really compare to have to be equally large. The only other thing I can think of that is Chivas' problem here is the policy, the policy of only using however they wanted to find Mexican players that week. If you could change one thing for Chivas to make them successful immediately and in the long term, would you change the owner or would you change
1: the policy? I would change a policy, but not their policy. I would change Liga Amecki's policy with the foreigner rule. I will reduce the number of Mm. foreigners in Liga Amecki's to only five. And I would do a system like the Premier League does where they have to be foreigners of a certain talent level percentage of national team games played and so forth. And I think then Chivas can get away and maintain what some Mm. would still say is a very xenophobic practice going forward. So bring down the overall level of Liga MX by eliminating the foreigners. Well, no, you, you eliminate the foreigners Jesus. doesn't mean it's a, a, lo- a it's a lower level of. I mean, there are a lot of these foreign players who come in just as money transaction. Doesn't mean they're actually good players. Uh, what happens when you bring in these type of players is you limit the Mexican pool. Doesn't mean you limit the quality of players. You're just limiting the Mexican pool. So you mentioned America's busy schedule. We should also note Chivas has a very busy
0: schedule coming up as well. Part of that is the League's Cup Showcase coming up on Wednesday in Los Angeles. It's Chivas against the Galaxy, LAFC against America. Those games are on ESPN from SoFi Stadium. And how about this? Football Americas will be running the pre-half and post-game shows. Do you believe it? Herc, do you believe this? Cesar Montes is reportedly, reportedly linked to Dynamo Moscow of the Russian top flight, the 25-year-old Mexican international center back currently with Rayados of Monterrey. Is this the right move at the right time for Cesar Montes?
1: Absolutely not. No, you know I value him high. His 25-year-old center back to me has been probably the best defender in Mexican football for the last year. Liga Mekis and and what I'm talking about right now with Mexican National Mexican defender. He's been that good and you would expect a move to Europe for him. But you expect him in a place where he's going to continue to grow, where he's going to be in European competition, that being <laughs> minimum Conference League, Europa League, or Champions League if he's not lucky enough, but you know that Russia doesn't have that. They're not going to be in any type of Russian, I'm sorry, any type of European competition uh, as, as long as they're in this war, as long as their political climate stays the way it is. And it's actually, I don't know why you would want to put yourself in that situation if you're Cesar Montes. On all levels, on a personal level, on a sporting Mm -hmm. level, it it makes no sense for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing you would say is he's 25 years old. I mean, at some point, that window to Europe is going to close, right? If you want to make it and there's interest, the interest here seems to be substantial. There's there's some reports I've seen of of a fee up to above $10 million for this player. And Dynamo Moscow is a, is a significant club in the league that they play in, but the points that you bring up are, are obviously valid. Personally, you can imagine it would be very difficult to go over there and play right now. There's also no European competition. There's no showcase there. And beyond that, Herc, it's a World Cup year, and he is playing at Rayadas right now. He's playing for them right now. So that's a guarantee. You know you're going to get minutes there. You don't know you're going to get minutes anywhere you go, Dynamo Moscow or anywhere else. This guy right now for me is is a starter for Mexico. Putting that in risk by leaving where you are, it better be the perfect situation. I don't think we can call this anywhere near perfect.
1: No, absolutely not. I, I don't know if he would call it anywhere near perfect. Perfect, but it's that dollar amount because I've seen the same amounts. I've seen upwards mm. of $11 million. These Mexican clubs, that's enticing. All right, let's run it back with some members of El 3
0: We don't have uh, quite as many submissions as we did with the U.S. men's national team, but we got Eric Gutierrez picking up some hardware. PSV winning the Johan Cruyff Shield 5-3 over Ajax. This is the uh, Dutch Super Cup. Ajax, of course, by the way, uh, linked with Jorge Sanchez of America, Herc. Yeah, I that?
1: saw that. Edson Alvarez is Ajax losing there. Jorge Sanchez being linked there. It's going to be a huge move if it does transpire. But Enrico Tierra, he's slowly heating up.
0: Yep, getting some preseason uh, hardware there. Who knows how much you, you really count a Super Cup. Santiago Munoz! The Dream! (laughs) Making his Newcastle United first team debut against Athletic Club Bilbao
1: in preseason. I feel like there are a lot of people who watch us who don't know what we're talking about. Watch the movie Goal. Please watch the movie Goal. You will Mm -hmm. understand everything.
0: He scored for the under-21s for Newcastle today. Former Football America's guest. La Liga season is close. We got more buildup coming up on ESPN Plus this weekend. Sevilla against Cadiz. Maybe look at Tecatito in a friendly. That one available for you Saturday, 2.50 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.50 a.m. Pacific. From La Liga to Canada, Canadian Championship final last week. We showed you the highlights as Vancouver beat Toronto FC 5-3 in penalties after a 1-1 draw. In regulation, Herc, this means Vancouver is going to the CONCACAF Champions League, not Toronto and all their stars. That's certainly a bit of a letdown, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I I believe so. Just because you know Toronto would have invested heavily, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It would have been something they would have tried going for. So you want teams to invest heavily in said competition. I don't know if Vancouver will, but congratulations. Hey, maybe, maybe Toronto FC will make the playoffs and win
0: MLS Cup. They'll get into the CONCACAF Champions League. Anyway, this is a post game from one of the journalists up in Vancouver. Toronto FC declined to make any players or coach Bob Bradley available to the media here in Vancouver. I'm told it was a team decision not to speak to the media. All right, uh, that was what we were hearing after the game. Let's hear Bob Bradley's explanation the
3: next day. Look, when the game ended immediately as a coaching staff, we walked and congratulated their coaches and before they then went to any of our players or whatever Vanny chose to celebrate in his own style um, in the process when he's waving his shirt he's he's waving his shirt at one point right in front of osa also just missed a penalty in a shootout uh and so when he's done celebrating and then he then wants to come over and start again, Uh, yes, there were guys on our team that in that moment, just absolutely didn't want him over on our side. And when I saw that, um, I know Vanny, and in a simple straight way, I said, "Um, when you celebrate like that right now, they don't want you over here. And I said, that's it. So just let us handle things. Our players stayed out there for the trophy ceremony. Uh, and then we went in the way we would always do it. So um, he twisted his words when he made it seem like uh, guys didn't want to shake hands because they were mad at the loss. I'm um, sure, disappointed for sure, but he didn't take any personal responsibility. And so everyone can celebrate any way they want. There's no, there's no discussion of that. But if before you come over to shake hands, you're waving, you take your shirt off and you're waving it right in front of guys on our team. Um, yeah, look, missing a, losing a shootout, missing a penalty in that moment, those are things that stick with you. And look, after after I shook their hands and said congratulations, the first guy I looked for was Oso, because I understand in that moment uh, the feeling. So yeah, that's, that's simple. When I spoke to Vanny at that second stage uh, there was no yelling. I just said, no, look, right now, these guys don't want you around. Come on, leave. So, pretty easy.
0: Kirk,
1: is this a full circle moment on football Americas? Are we telling Bob Bradley to get lost? No, no, I'm not telling Bob Bradley to get lost there. Now, there may be a little context we need to give of why, I guess, Toronto FC what the video has to do with Toronto FC not going to the press conference, right? I did a little digging. There seems to be some confusion about Canadian soccer and them asking Toronto FC to be part of the press conference. Apparently they only asked the Vancouver Whitecaps to be part of it. I don't know, there's confusion, okay? You you can read two different stories online, so I, I don't know. What I see here, though, I can't tell Bob Bradley to get lost here because I don't know any coach that would be okay with a rival coach taking his shirt off like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> like is Lollapalooza going dancing around in front of your team when they just lost in a shootout, an emotional shootout in front of their players. So I could understand. And by the way, that's as calm as a Bob Bradley explanation mm-hmm. of something like that as I've ever seen. Uh, you and I have seen Bob uh, not so <laughs> Not so cheery, not so calm in that type of scenario. I don't think I would have been okay with it. I think the get lost should have been on Vanny on this one. And listen, I understand okay. you're excited, you're happy, you're emotional because your team won. But you're the head coach. There, there should be a, a level above that.
0: Okay. All right. You got to face the music, though. And if, if the Canadian FA or whoever up there is in charge of the Canadian championship is genuinely not asking the losing team to speak, they should shut down the event. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to get media attention. They just should shut it down. If that's really, truly the policy, Eric, if that's what you're telling me, otherwise, because Bob Bradley has been around this game a long time, so has everybody else at Toronto FC, you know after a game you're supposed to talk win, lose, or draw. Yeah. And if you don't talk, you look like a sore loser.
1: Yeah, So I agree with I you. Mean, but that's if, what it
0: looks like. It, that's there what there looks seems like. to be
1: some like he said, she said between beat writers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how we could blame Bob on this one.
0: I know you okay, want to. Okay, let's one of our one of our friends from Canada. We'll have to bring them down and get the full explanation on what's going on there. We just we just let the losing team not talk to the media. Come on. I know everybody's friendly up in Canada, but please, that's that's one step too far. All right. Speaking of finals, Herko, what about Euro '20? 22. This was, of course, all over ESPN Airwaves all month. And we got really the dream final. England versus Germany. Packed house at Wembley. Incredible moment uh, for England to come back, get the lead. Then Germany eventually uh, equalized. And, of course, uh, in extra time, Chloe Kelly with the game-winning goal. Sensational scenes there as the Lionesses get the job done. The first major trophy ever for the England women. Of course, it was a great tournament that got us thinking about next summer and another great tournament, the World Cup of 2023. So, Herc, who do you think will be the favorite to win the next Women's World Cup? England, the reigning European champions or the reigning World Cup champions, the U.S. women's national team?
1: Let me just say, what a ridiculous final. The goals scored were were insane. Uh, Chloe Kelly... Brandy Chastain throwback with the celebration, uh-huh. which is, which is uh, very cool to see. Uh, it's not the U.S. It's not the U.S. women's national team. Now, I, I know what many purists will say. <laughs> We're the defending champs, guy. Like, mm-hmm. come on. We just won the W, guy. Come on. I understand all these things. But it seems like the rest of the world has been not slowly catching up quickly catching up. And, and it seems like the U.S. women's national team is in a ge- generational shift. And we've had more doubts about this program now than ever. I could not think of a time where there were more doubts about their dominance or more doubts about them going forward and how young these players are. If you're asking me to take the field, I will take the mm. field. When it come specifically to England, they just won the Euros. And they did so in a way of beating Spain in the quarters, Sweden in the semis, and Germany in the finals. I don't feel comfortable in saying I have the U.S. women's national team favored over these girls, over Ooh. these ladies. I, I, I repeat, generational shift. Everybody else is catching up quickly. Mm. It's the first time in this program's history where I see question marks.
0: Okay. I see a U.S. women's national team that is very motivated. What do we see? The, the quotes coming out of Monterey from Grant Wall, who spoke to Alex Morgan, who took note of even something as minor as the ESPN FC 50 best players in the world and the lack of the Americans that were on it. The U.S. is the defending champions. They beat England in the last World Cup. It's very easy to be a prisoner of the moment and see this English team and think that they are the favorites over the U.S. But Herc, I got to say it, until the U.S. loses in a World Cup after the last two, for me, they are going to be the favorites. For me, Now, the bookmakers will definitely make England the favorite because, you know, the bookmakers get most of their action out of England. So color me surprised if (laughs) if I'm not all that shocked. When England is at the end of the day, the favorite over the U.S., for your boy, I'm putting my money on the U.S. Against England, the field is another question. The field is a big ask. But against England, for me still, U.S., first. All right, what, what do we got coming up uh, this weekend? Oh, yes. A smooth transition to Real Betis against Real Zaragoza on Wednesday. Uh, that 12.55 p.m. Eastern time, 9.55 in the morning. Another friendly available for you on ESPN+. All right, Herc, that about does it for this edition of the show. A couple reminders, though. On Thursday's edition of Football americas Américas, we're going to have Pellegrino Matarazzo of Stuttgart, remember, dramatically keeping them up in the Bundesliga last season. The New Jersey native will give us some of his time. Uh, And, of course, the big news, Herc, on Wednesday, we are leaving the streaming space and venturing into the linear world. We will be on ESPN starting at 8 p.m., Eastern time for the League's Cup showcase. It's Chivas, LA Galaxy, America, LAFC, We got the pregame. We got the halftime. We got the second pregame. pre-game four plus hours of your boys. Americas. It's right. Yes. So much excitement. Almost as much as Herc when he got a Sacramento Republic uniform. Large. Still waiting suit. for mine,
1: Roro. They don't I'm make it. that small. mine.